Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, this morning I want to talk to you. We're in Romans chapter 6. We've been walking our way through the book of Romans the last, uh, last long time, however long it's been. And this week we're still talking about the grace of Jesus. We're going to talk about it in a little bit different light. I'm going to ask you one question this morning. Our, our, our whole message can be tied up in this one question. Here it is. Are you ready for it? If so, say yeah. Here's the question. Is grace a license to sin? You act like you already know the answer. You even said it out loud, some of you. Well, you know, sometimes we think we know the answer, but yet we, the way we live doesn't really proclaim the answer. Or it could be that we're really trying to figure out, is grace permission for me to keep sinning? Well, what is grace in the first place? Well, the, the simple answer is grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved, the unearned Grace of God, gifts of God. Grace shows up all through the Scripture. Grace shows up over and over again in the Old Testament. Grace shows up again in the New Testament. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful that in the year 2023, grace still shows up. You know, you can read the Old Testament Scriptures about, you know, about Ruth when she was, when she was trying to be a good daughter-in-law and provide for her mother-in-law. Uh, Naomi, when she would go out into Boaz's field every day, and she was trying to just, she's just a beggar, right? She'd go out in that field, and there was a certain part of the field that, that beggars were allowed to go, and they could glean behind the harvesters. Some of you know this story. But Boaz saw Ruth and saw her faithfulness, and he said these words to his, to his servant. He said, why don't you start grabbing some of the sheaves and the seeds that you're picking up, but instead of putting them in your satchel or your bag to bring home with you, what do you say? No, don't bring them home. Turn around and just put them on the ground. Just throw them down so that Ruth, who's coming behind you, so that she could pick them up. You know what that is? That's the grace of God. When, when God just commands things to be laid down so you can pick them up. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus laid down his life so that you could pick up something better than you could ever imagine. You could pick up a new life in him. That's the grace of God. Amen? In the New Testament, grace shows up. It shows up at the night of the crucifixion when Jesus is being hung between two thieves. And one of them is mocking Jesus, but the other one says, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've wasted my life. I know I'm in the closing moments. But would you please remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the grace of Jesus flowed out of Jesus' own lips that day when he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. That, that criminal, that crook, he did nothing to deserve to be with Jesus. He did nothing to deserve to have his sins forgiven. He did nothing to, to deserve exiting this life in torment and entering the next life in paradise. He didn't do anything to deserve it, but Jesus spoke grace over him. And I want to tell you today, Jesus is still speaking grace today. He was speaking grace when he got up this morning. He'll be speaking grace when you go to bed tonight. The only thing we have to do is decide, am I going to be a recipient of God's unending, amazing grace? Because friends, the greatest thing about this life is not what I produce, but it's what, what Jesus can produce in me, for me, and through me. That's the grace of Jesus. It's unmerited. 
If you've ever had someone tell you that, man, you don't deserve that, can I tell you, they are exactly right. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. But I want to live my life according more than just what I deserve. I want to live my life according to what Jesus has provided. That's the grace of God. It really is amazing. There's a big question. Is grace a license to sin? There's a follow-up question that kind of tells us about where we are on our journey of grace. And the question would be this. Do we spend more time wondering how to get away from our sin? Or do we spend more time trying to figure out how to get away with our sin? Hey, no, there's a difference. Grace doesn't allow us to get away with our sin. Grace leads us away from our sin. Right? So we're talking about this this morning. Romans chapter 6 says it this way. What shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Here's Paul's answer. By no means. That's a pretty affirmative no, right? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, that is, our life before Jesus, our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. By the way, what a great reminder that also this Wednesday night is water baptism. And if you've never been water baptized, we'd love to allow you to participate. Just see me or Danetta, one of our staff members after service today. And we'll get you signed up. Let's pray with the scripture. Father, we love you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you did cover my sin. And you gave me grace. But Lord, my, my desire today is to no longer get away with sin. My, long, my desire is to get, a, get away from it. To embrace a new life and a better life that you have for me. God, help me today to speak what you want spoken. Help our ears to hear and respond to the Word of God wants to say to us, what the Spirit of God wants to say to us, so our lives are changed and pleasing to you forever. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. It's safe to say, reading from Romans 6, that a change of lifestyle is the expectation of a Jesus follower. I like how you're shouting, so I want to say it again. A change of lifestyle is the expectation of a Jesus follower. Now, how quickly that transformation occurs has a lot to do with a lot of varying circumstances, but a change of life direction is non-negotiable. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, a grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Grace changes our direction. Jesus 
doesn't just change our life in the moment. He changes our life for our future. He changes the direction of our life. So how does grace set me free? If, if grace is not a license to sin, then how does it, as Titus would say, how does the grace of Jesus teach me to say no? Because that's what grace does. It sets us free, but then it leads us further into freedom. How does it work? Well, it does a few things. The first thing we found in Romans 6 is it changes our perspective of sin and basically life in general. What shall we say? Shall we keep on sitting so that grace would be increased? The reason the question is even presented is, is in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul just got through with that, that famous statement where, where sin abound, grace much more abounds. And so there were people who thought, aha, if sin, if sin increases the grace of God, then I could increase the grace of God in my life by sinning more. And Paul says, no, no, don't you dare think that way. Grace is not an excuse to keep living like you've always lived. Grace is an opportunity to break free from your past and embrace a new future with Jesus. And that opportunity is still for me and you today. The desire to use grace as a license to sin is actually evidence that our minds have not been renewed through Christ yet. See, we cannot be free from the sin we excuse. Paul asked the question, should we keep on sinning so that grace can abound? And he answered this question. He says, no. You know, I, I've, been, I've been a Jesus follower for somewhere near 35 years of my life. I've been following Jesus. But can I tell you, in the last seven days, I have sinned. In the last seven hours, I have sinned. In the last seven minutes... I think I've done okay. <laughs> but you may tell me differently when I get off the platform. But so, so Paul is not saying that the minute you give your life to Jesus and become a Christ follower, he's not saying from that moment on you're going to be perfect. He's not saying that you're never going to sin again. But he does say our, our, our lifestyle of sin should be replaced with something better. As a matter of fact, he's introducing me, and I don't want to get to the end of the sermon before the beginning, but, but, if, but I'll get there in a minute. I'll do it anyway. How many understand the reason we live a life of repentance is not because we're out of a relationship with the Lord. We live a life of repentance because we're in relationship with the Lord, right? If me and my wife have an argument, and if I sin against her, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to her, I'm going to apologize, I'm going to repent. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm in a relationship with her, and I want to stay in a relationship with her. So therefore, I'm going to go, I'm going to repent, I'm going to confess my sins, I'm going to ask her to forgive me. And I'm doing that not because I'm apart from her, I'm doing that because I'm with her. My relationship with her demands that I be current with her. The same is true with our relationship with God. Our relationship with God does not excuse us. There's some people who think, well, I repented when I got saved. I repented when I was nine years old. I've done that. I bought the t-shirt. I'm over with that. No, friends, that was, your, that was the beginning of a relationship that's always calling you further and further and further with Him. I mean, just, just the terminology, following Jesus. 
Just that terminology speaks to an active fellowship. The other day, me and two other men from our church were traveling to Dallas, and we were in like a, a convoy, and I was the caboose. And uh, Scott, our fearless leader, he took a turn. And Ronnie, the guy in the middle, took the turn. I was enjoying the beauty of East Texas, and I missed it. I, and, and so I, I, I kind of stunk at following in that moment. But just because I missed a step doesn't mean I abandoned the journey, Right? Amen? Just because you... So, so Paul is not saying that when you miss a step, when you miss a turn, that, that if you're following Jesus, you should never miss a step again. But he is saying you should stay on the journey. Your journey should be marked by following Jesus, not following your own way. Amen? Because we've got to realize, here's point two, that we have been joined to Jesus. Did you know as a believer today, you are joined with Jesus? One of the most rehearsed promises in all of God's Word is what? I will be with you. Right? The most, the most uh, repeated command is do not fear. The most repeated promise is I will be with you. That's all throughout Scripture. You'll find that promise rehearsed over and over and over and over again. You know why? Because as a believer, Jesus says, I will be with you. He, when you. When you decide that I'm going to be a Christ follower, he comes, he comes alongside of you and he does not forsake you. You are joined with him. And help me understand that when you're with someone, that changes our behavior. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to give someone a piece of your mind? Probably not because you're more spiritual than I am. But, but, but I have been in situations where I wanted to give someone a piece of my mind, but my six-year-old was with me. And so because I knew that they have no ability to keep a secret, and because I know they're going to repeat what they see, I refrain myself from doing what I would normally do because someone's with me. Shouldn't we have the same concept that every day of our life, grace is not a license to sin. Why? Because when I sin, I'm dragging Jesus right there in the middle of that circumstance with me. See, when I got married, every relationship in my life was immediately redefined. I need all the married people in the room to say, yeah. Yeah. If you're married and your marriage has not re redefined all your other relationships, here's what I know about you. You and your spouse are in trouble and you're struggling because the word says, for this reason shall a man, what? Leave his mother and father. So while the preacher most of the time, somewhere when he's con conducting a ceremony, he says, and cleave only to her. Why? Because a marriage relationship, a marriage commitment, it, it redefines all other relationships. When you get married, your mom and dad take a step back. 
If they don't, there will be issues. When you get married, all your friends, used to, they take a step back. If you're married and your best friend is not the person that you said I do to, you got problems. You just don't know it yet. Every other relationship, take a, your former girlfriends and boyfriends, now they don't have to take a step back. They take a million steps back. <laughs> but what I'm saying is your, your relationship with, with your spouse redefines all other relationships. Can I tell you, when you decide to be a Christ follower, your relationship with Jesus redefines all other relationships. It redefines them all. Why? Because we're now joined with Jesus, which means where I go, He goes. I had a friend of mine who used to be really, I'm not going to say he struggled because struggle makes you think that he's resisting it. He just had a problem with speeding. And I don't mean speeding a little bit. I'm not talking about 10 over. I'm talking about he drove crazy. Just nuts, nuts fast. And one day, after he'd received his whatever number of speeding tickets, a lady at our church said, you know, you really should slow down. And he responded, well, I don't worry about it. I've got angels that ride with me in my vehicle. And without hesitation, she she said, yeah, but they step out at 85. (laughs) I'm, I'm not really sure that the grace of God steps out at a certain speed. But I do know this. There is such a thing as grieving the Spirit of God. Right? Ephesians chapter 4 says, Don't let, her, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful to building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Why? Because you are with You are with Jesus. He's with you. Y'all are tethered together. Is grace a license to sin? No. Why? Because in every moment of my life, I am enjoying, whether I recognize it or not, the presence of Jesus. He's right there with me. Can I push this point a little bit further? I want to make sure you don't miss this point. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says the same thing again. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one in body with her? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Then it goes on to talk about fleeing from sexual immorality. Why? Because as Christ's followers, our bodies are connected to Jesus. Right? Our bodies are connected to Him. So the fact that I'm united with Jesus does not lower the standard of following Jesus in my life. No, no, no. It it, it actually places a higher demand on how I live my life because I'm walking with Jesus. And it's not that I'm always going to get it right. I want to say that again. It's not that I'm always going to get it right. I'm preaching this message today as a guy who, who falls often, but I am committed to falling forward 
towards the Lord. Though I may fall seven times, I'm going to get back up because I'm committed to Jesus. And though I fail, though I fall, I'm going to get back up and follow Him. Here's the third thing. Grace reminds me not to dig up my past. I love verse 4. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. In order, just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we also may live to a new life. Would you just, if you got a friend next to you, tell them, my past life is buried. And just because the enemy or someone else brings it up, doesn't mean you have to dig it up. Romans 6 says, for we know, for I know, doesn't matter how many pictures you show me, how many, how many people you have sit on the witness stand and testify against me. It doesn't matter how much you drag up my past. The scripture says, for I know that my old self, according to verse number six, was crucified and done away with through Jesus. My old life is over. So don't dig it up again. A few... I don't know, it's been a couple of years ago. Megan and I went back home and uh, one weekend to a, I don't know, funeral, wedding, family reunion. I'm not sure why we were down south. We were there and, and we just had a few extra moments. So we decided we would go past our old house, which was the first house she and I bought um, as a you know married couple. It's, I think we bought it, well, don't think I know. We bought it in 2010. And so I pulled up there, and we had a lot of investment in that house. There's a wooden privacy fence that I, I poured the concrete of every post. I put every screw in the board. I mean, I built the thing myself. There was, there's grass in the yard when we bought the house. It's a brand new home. Didn't have a lick of grass. I mean, we planted the grass seed. There was no flower beds. We did the landscaping. There's a tree in the corner of the house that that was given to us by a realtor. We planted it. There's a barn in the backyard that, that we purchased and, and put there. Like we were looking at all this stuff. But can I tell you, there's one thing we didn't do. We didn't go inside. You know why? Because it's no longer mine. Someone else has bought and paid for it. And all, all I can do is I can look at it and I can remember it, but I can't touch it. I can't go in because it's not mine anymore. Can I tell you something about your past life? It may have once been yours, but you can't touch it anymore. You have no right to it anymore. Why? Because it belongs to Jesus. It was bought and paid for. And so though someone may bring it up, if you try to get in that thing, you've got to understand you're trespassing on property that doesn't belong to you. Stop trespassing in your past and walk in your future. Reminds me of certain things. Number one, don't, some of you aren't going to like this terminology, just hear me out. Or A, I should say. There are certain places that I'm dead to. See, Jesus brought me out of certain places so I don't belong there anymore. Uh, is anyone in the room a fisherman? Any people in the room like to fish or fisherwoman? Hey, it's a great, it's a great thing. Jesus loved hanging out with fisher, fishermen. 
But I've always thought, and please don't call PETA, I'm not joining it today, but I always thought, isn't it kind of cruel for the fish who's just swimming around in his own environment and he sees like a free snack <laughs> and in, in a moment he is yanked from one environment to another and he just flips and he flops and it doesn't matter how long you get him out of the water, he's not, he's not going to function well there. Why? Because he doesn't belong there. He's, he's used to a different environment. Does grace give us a license to sin? No. Why? Because you and I have had an inward environment change. We, like a fish out of water, should be a Christian in sin. It shouldn't feel right. It shouldn't function right. We should want to do all we can to get out of where we are back into where we're in right standing relationship with the Lord. So I'm dead to certain places. I'm even dead. You're not going to like this, but, but, but let me explain myself. I'm even dead to certain people. And it's not that I've written people off. Scripture says that certain people will write you off. Because you've chosen to honor the Lord. They think it's strange that you don't do. They don't understand why the environment of your life has changed. And they don't understand why you don't go to the places you used to go, do the things you used to do, and hang out with who you used to hang out. They don't understand any of that. They ridicule, they mock you because of that, First Peter says. But certain people will disown us. Well, pastor, didn't, didn't Jesus eat with sinners? Yes. But he walked with disciples. We all need, friends, we need sinners we eat with. If you don't have sinners you're eating with, if you're not rubbing shoulders with people who are as lost as Job's turkey, which is just pretty lost, by the way, if you don't have people, if you're, if, if our Christian life is not rubbing. If we're not coming in contact with people who are lost, then you need, to, you need to make a goal today. You need to get out your Google calendar and make an appointment to hang out with a sinner. Right? Our light will never shine if we keep it in a place that's well lit. But the feeding relationships, the, the, the life-giving relationships in our life must come from Jesus and Jesus' people, not from those who are of the world. So I'm dead to certain places, certain people, certain practices, because I'm embracing, I'm embracing resurrected living. I've been united with him in his death, so therefore I will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. I want to tell you, Jesus does not just save you from your past. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the TV show Hoarders? Isn't that gross? Like they're, they're, they're living with you know, pizza boxes from 17 years ago because they might need it someday. I mean, it's just, it's, ooh, it gives me the eebie-jeebies just watching it. You know, just, it's, it's, you know, houses. And people will come through and they'll clean it out for them. But you know what happens if you clean a hoarder's house out and just give them time? They fill it back up, right? 
Sometimes we feel like what Jesus does, what the grace of God does, is it just cleans us out. It cleans out our heart. It cleans out our home. It cleans out our mind. It just, but can I tell you, the grace of God was never intended to leave you empty. The grace of God leaves you full. So it's not enough just to say, Lord, cleanse me of my past. We also have to say, Lord, fill me with your presence. And fill me for my future. God sets us free from our past so we can embrace a new future. He doesn't empty us out from our sin only. He fills us with his spirit and he tells us to not settle for just being empty, but to seek his fullness. Number five. Megan, if you want to come, it might speed me up. Probably not, but it might. Number five. We have to retrain. Say this with me. Retrain. Retrain your responses. Look at verse number 12. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. I'm going to say it again. Don't let sin reign. Does that sound like something God does or something we do? Don't let sin. When I tell my kid, don't put your finger in the light socket. That's not something I'm going to keep her from because I can't do it all the time. That's something they've got to pick up. Don't let sin. Don't let sin reign. There's, there's, a, there's at least a choice we have to make. If not a practice, we have to embrace. How, how many are familiar with the term muscle memory? Muscle memory? Seth, would you come up here and let me embarrass you for a minute? Seth. You didn't know this. Seth is a world-class tennis player. And I have, not, I have not played him in tennis because I just hate losing. But when I was in high school and junior high and college, like that's what I did every waking moment. I played tennis. And we have not worked this out, so you may not give me the answer I'm looking for, and it's okay. But what do you think is the hardest thing about serving the tennis ball. Like, what's the most important part of the serve? Just getting it in. Just getting it in. You know what the most hardest part of the serve for me was? The toss. Like, if you don't get that ball at the right height and the right distance in front of you, that's not too far or not too close, it kind of like sabotages the whole process. Would you, would you agree with that? The expert agrees with me. So if you didn't agree with me, it really messed up my illustration. So thank you. So, so you know what I did for like years? If you were to catch me in my private time, not praying, but my kids laugh at me sometimes because I'll, I'll be around my house. I'll just be doing this. Why? I'm trying to get my muscle memory to swing the golf club. But those years, I'd walk around for years trying with a ball just tossing the ball, trying to get that ball to the perfect point because I struggled with it so long. And what I've discovered after years of doing it, I didn't have to think about it. I just, my, my body just, my muscles memorized what to do. Thank you, buddy. My, my, my muscles just memorized what to do. Some of us in this room, your last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you've just been doing what feels good. You've just been doing what comes natural. And though Jesus has set you free, 
There's a certain level of retraining your natural responses to submit to the desires of Jesus. You understand that? Sometimes, Sometimes we pray, God, just take away my desire for whatever. And Jesus can do that. I got a friend of mine, he was so... He was so enslaved into drugs and alcohol and to everything you could imagine. And he came to an altar about 30 years ago. And he gave his life to Jesus. And when he got up, even the smell of that stuff would make him throw up. Like Jesus changed him instantly. He's never struggled again. Can I tell you, Jesus can do that. But there's other people who are just as saved, by the way. Just as forgiven, just as set free, just as secure of heaven, but they've had to submit their daily, they've had to retrain their muscle, their spiritual muscle memory. Their, their, and I think all of us have to be willing to retrain what comes natural to what Jesus says is pleasing to Him. And I'm not sure if that process ever is completely completely finished. So what I'll do with that? I do this. I continually and completely surrender because verse 22 says, you were slaves to sin, but now you're slaves to God. Paul says you once were a captured slave to sin, but now you're a volunteer slave to Jesus. Here's what Paul's saying. We're all going to be a slave to something. We're going to be a slave to the enemy. We're going to be a slave to ourselves, Or we're going to be a slave to Jesus. This morning I want to ask you to bow your heads. And we're going to pray. Is grace a license to sin? Paul said absolutely not. By no means. Well what is grace then? Grace is an opportunity to live a life that is full and a life that is free from the entanglements that once held us down. If I slip up, if I miss a turn, it's probably going to happen. But that slip up is not going to cause me to abandon my journey with God. I'm going to keep following Him. So this morning there's two points of prayer. The first point of prayer is this this morning. You're you're in the room today. You're not a Jesus follower. You've never committed your life to Him. You've never chosen. You've never said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to get my, my life right with God. I'm going I'm to receive the grace He has for me and then walk in it. If you've never, never, given a, never made the decision to follow Jesus, and you know you need to make that choice today without, for, for maybe reasons you cannot explain, you sense the grace of God pulling you to get things right with Him. And Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, is the avenue by which God's grace and right stand with God comes. And today, you know you need to make that decision today. You need to get your life right with Jesus, perhaps for the very first time. That's the first group of people I want to pray for today. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just lift a hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I need to get things right with God. I know I'm not right today, but I need to make things right. Amen? Amen? I'm so thankful. John 10, I say it almost every week. We confess our sins. 
He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. The grace of God, it cleanses us from everything that's not right. And that same grace, as we follow Jesus, it teaches us to say no to the world and its ungodliness. It leads us into deeper relationships with Him that brings not just life, but life of abundance. So, Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand this morning. The Word says we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is who He said He was, that we can have life and life eternal. Today, Father, for those who lifted their hand, I pray that they would choose to follow You. They would ask You in that model of John 10, forgive them as they today choose to follow You. I pray they'll do that in Jesus' name. And the second point of prayer this morning is simply a closing question is, have you allowed grace to retrain and reframe your life? Have you allowed grace to redefine what is valuable and what's not valuable? Have you allowed grace to redefine what part of your life is most valuable and must be a priority. Is grace something that you thought only forgave you, but you haven't allowed it to lead you? If so, make that switch today. Allow the grace of God to lead you. And I want to pray for all of you in this moment before we go our different ways. Father, I thank you for those who lifted their hands saying they sense the drawing of Jesus to follow you, maybe for the first time. I pray that today, as they're making that decision, they discover you in an increasing, growing way. But I also pray for every person today that is in need of the grace of God retraining and reframing their life with you. Lord, perhaps we, we, just, we thought grace was what forgave us, but we never allowed grace to shape us and remake us and form us and even fill us with new things and new life that's full of godliness and abundant life. God, I pray we'll make room for you to have more and more by surrendering everything you would call us to surrender. God, our eyes are not fixed on other people or what they're doing. Our eyes are fixed on you and what you would have us do. So God, lead us and guide us and use us mightily to reach those around us. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? And God bless you. Hey, if you, uh, if you chose to follow Jesus today, for the first time and you're wondering what do I do next, please stop by the Connect Center in the foyer. We'd love to give you a book that says how to follow Jesus now. Most importantly, we'd love for you to be a part of our church so you can help journey with you on this walk. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Don't Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.